0: Hi, I'm Sage. I'm here with Adam, and this week another question: What is the best cyberpunk role-playing game? This is so hard. I I actually found it pretty easy. Well, well then,
1: then then I'm glad because because I had to dip into some very very cheaty kind of answers here. So
0: oh man, my my number one, I'm super proud of. Um, okay, good. I,
1: I'm I'm very curious about it. What's your number three? <laughs>
0: Number three, uh, I started with the obvious um, because you have to mention it. Shadowrun.
1: You have to mention Shadowrun. Now, which of the seven hundred versions of Shadowrun?
0: Uh, so I just kind of cited them all as one because, uh, unlike a lot of games, I don't have super strong edition preferences on Shadowrun. To be honest, um, I
1: haven't played enough Shadowrun to care.
0: That's. I guess that's part of my problem. Like yeah. I, I've. I tried to count the editions that I've played, and I think I've hit at least three. But I had to look really carefully on like covers of books to and try and remember, like, oh, that looks familiar. I must have played that
1: one. What's the difference between 4 and 5? What's the difference between... Yeah, totally.
0: Yeah. uh, I mean, right around 4, they did some major changes. Right. Uh, But uh, even that, I had to look it up to remind myself of. There are very few games that I have to look up to remind myself of something on, which kind of uh, is the, the problem with Shadowrun. But first, we should say what the game is.
1: Well... Uh Shadowrun is uh kind of err Cyberpunk RPG.
0: Oh, I wouldn't quite call it the er Cyberpunk RPG. Uh
1: maybe not for ancestral reasons, but for uh public consciousness reasons. Oh, definitely. Um and it's uh at least currently, it's a gigantic dice pool system, uh one of the most famous for buckets of dice. Uh, and you go around and do hacky things, and it's also got this really cool future fantasy setting.
0: The the future fantasy, I think, is the thing that stands out about it. And yeah. it's part of the reason that this is one of the few games that we mentioned that even people who listen to this who aren't RPG players have probably heard of. Because it's been at least moderately successful in various video games, right. and card games, and board games, and I think a mini-game at one point. Yeah. Uh, it's been pretty much everywhere. Novels. The year um, of the Shadowrun.
1: I think we're in the fourth year of the Shadowrun <laughs> so far. So, uh,
0: so yeah. The the key concepts here is that it's a cyberpunk future, which I probably I guess is probably going to be a major theme pretty common This, here, uh, yeah. this podcast uh, that has magic at the same time. So you might be playing a dwarf street samurai, or... Well, uh,
1: you could be playing an elf who is hacking the Gibson that's being protected by a dragon who's been alive for a thousand years. Exactly.
0: And all those things get mashed up. Um, The thing is, so I just said that it's kind of cyberpunk. I'm not actually sure if that matches up with most cyberpunk from, like... If you have read cyberpunk, and then you say, oh, I want to play a role playing game that's like cyberpunk, and somebody says Shadowrun... I'm not sure. It's not very cyberpunky. so let's talk about cyberpunk. So. Sure. Yeah, that, that would have been a good place for
1: us to start. Who, who, who do you consider to be, what do you consider to be the cyberpunk kind of definition?
0: So I, I tried to brainstorm around this some, um, mm-hmm. and I kind of ended up at the point of thinking that most of my answers are more cyber than punk. Um, like, I, I kind of feel like the genre, most of the examples of it that we come up with have a lot to do with uh, kind of five minutes into the future um, technology that interfaces with biology in some ways, but not in the kind of far future way. Uh, mm-hmm. It's more about, you know, being able to put microchips under your skin, which isn't even five minutes in the future. Uh, that's five minutes <laughs> in the past. Now, yeah. Uh, like, the that kind of stuff, as opposed to, like, biological Thinking machines or something, uh, maybe a bit of AI and stuff, but cyberpunk. Pu- uh, sorry, uh, Shadowrun pushes that pretty far. So, um, NeuroMancer, NeuroMancer, yeah, I would, I would, uh, yeah.
1: Diamond Age? Do you think that's in the Shadowpunk? or is that mm. too
0: weird? Uh, uh, that that's the thing. The I, I think that you can stretch it quite a ways, but I don't know if you can stretch it to the level of D and Dness that Shadowrun does. Agreed. Um, it's, Shadowrun's weird. Um,
1: it's it's almost always, at least all of the sample adventures and most of the ones that people will run, um, here is your group, uh, which is practically meet-in-a-tavern kind of random, um, and you're going to go on this mission, and then you'll come back and have loot or whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's almost Dungeon Delve with a big bunch of future laid on top
0: yeah, and it, so it first came out in uh, 1989 which is far enough on that games have started to move like explore things beyond dungeon crawling adventure right but it it's still kind of in that mold um, it's not quite in the the very mold ve you started the entrance to the dungeon mold, right. but it's very much in the uh, mission adventure you know you meet up, you're gonna do this thing the, the GM knows all the things that are going to be in your way to complete this mission and they're going to try and complete this mission and and, it, and they almost all start with this person is giving you the mission yes uh,
1: so okay let's let's just drop any pretense at there is some kind of long-running story here at least for the initial one
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: they almost all involve a run uh, thus the shadow run yeah it's 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 an interesting location for for shadow run to be so other other kind of
0: influences uh, in cyberpunk so cyberpunk uh, I think that Tech is important. I think that... Yeah. Um, I, I'm searching for the right word for this, and I think this is why it becomes cyberpunk, but like a gritty edge or a... Uh, there needs to be cyber and there needs to be punk. But it, it's interesting because... Uh, so I'm... I, I like punk music. Uh, and <laughs> I don't quite associate them with the way that most cyberpunk things... Like, the where I think that punk word is coming from is the some of the anti... Um, Establishment, but that's not quite what it is in a lot of cyberpunk because the establishment has become corporation, so it's mm-hmm. more anti-capitalist. Capitalism, I think, is actually a big part of cyberpunk. Um, I, I just don't quite feel like punk is the right word for. I mean, I'm not going to. You don't
1: think you don't think punk is anti corporate? I,
0: I think it is, but I think that it uh, the way that that comes across in cyberpunk looks different to me. Okay, and I think part of that is maybe ah, man the. Anytime I talk about music, I know that I'm going to piss somebody off with my. I'm just waiting for you to define what punk is exactly. I'm going to. to... (laughs) So this is partially where I come from on the punk spectrum. I tend to be more of the uh, like. Folk punk kind of thing—the very like oh no genres. I know, I know, it's it's, it's gonna be horrible, and we do yeah. Uh, but the the technology aspect of it, um, right? The fact that punk and cyberpunk is partially about like uh, sticking it to the man. It, it sticking it to the man is the right thing. Oh man, I'm I'm struggling here for. I guess the part of my problem is that in cyberpunk, sticking it to the man seems less, uh, idealistic, maybe? Um, sometimes sticking it to the man is a very practical thing. Like, being a Shadowrunner, you are, uh it's your job? Yeah,
1: but, like, it's not your job in that it's going to show up on your tax report, right? Sure. Like, you're not going to put, yeah, I hacked 23 businesses last week, uh, so this is my capital gains. But
0: I I think the mission thing that you're talking about is part of where the the punk aspect of it fails, um, especially when it turns into gaming. Because there is definitely somebody who's telling you what to do. Exactly. Like, it's not this self-expression, like... I think that the, yeah, the punk element of the genre, the punk element of the name. Of is punk punk
1: element, of- well, the, the punk element, well, that's the punk element of Shadowrun, because the punk element of, of cyberpunk, I think, works in a lot of these situations. Like, uh, like think Blade Runner, right? Blade Runner's yeah. just all over the map as far as, you know, is, is this person legit or, or you know, broken? Uh, and in a bunch of these books where it's like, yeah, I do what I need to to get things done, but this is totally not above board type of thing.
0: Oh, man. Get to, do you to argue think, with that I have to get into like what is punk and I, I oh man that's that's a you, losing argument. Do you think hackers is cyberpunk? Oh jeez uh, that's a good question. I think that the part—it's oh, it, tough because that movie to me has always been retro, right? Exactly. So the, the cyber element of it isn't quite there. It all seems oh, so It's like, totally cyber. I know, but looking back, like with, by the time I saw the movie, all of that, everything in the movie seemed uh, like tragically old. Uh, so it, it, and this is actually a problem that I had reading a lot of cyberpunk. Uh, I first tried to read Snow Crash. Man, maybe when I was in early college. I only finally read through the entire thing a few weeks ago. Uh, You can just skip the last quarter of it. Oh, yeah. Tell me about (laughs) it. Uh, And that... Yeah, so... Part of it may be that I'm filtering all the other cyberpunk I've read through the last thing that I read, oh, which, is, it's yeah, which is Snow, crashes, snow Crash. Yeah, we just Snow Crash. Snow Crash. And it's it's not really it's it's a flawed book in many ways. Um, I love Snow
1: Crash. Let me get that perfectly straight. I love Snow Crash. I love Neil Stevenson uh, explaining these books to people is so difficult.
0: I, I, I love the middle part of the book that explains all of uh, the ancient Sumerian mind programming. The rest of the book, I can kind of take relief. Um, but, okay, so defining cyberpunk. Uh, the other thing that I have on my list is that I... Well, let
1: me talk about my third then first.
0: Well, uh, like, just, sorry, this is defining cyberpunk. Oh, for cyberpunk
1: style. definition, just totally. Defining
0: cyberpunk. Uh, and I think this plays in a shadow run as well. There's a bit of a sense of place in a lot of these things, um, yeah. because... For this five minutes in the future kind of thing you you can most effectively show that if you're showing some place that the reader knows now more sure. or less which is why Shadowrun is set in Seattle Shadowrun is set in Seattle uh, and then there's some of the video games and stuff that do other things but that makes such a difference in how they can show the ten minutes five minutes whatever I'm going to keep on changing my units of time in the future <laughs> uh, and the games that I feel um, fall down a little bit more on the cyberpunk scale have a hard time establishing uh, a sense of place for sure. you to show that few minutes in the future. And this runs through some of the the books as well. Like, right. And I think that it actually this is a bit of a stretch, but uh, kind of like you can people tend to do with music, you can divide up some of the um, cyberpunk literature and games based on what area they are cyberpunking? Like the California cyberpunk is kind of a different thing from like the Tokyo cyberpunk, which is a different thing from like the Seattle cyberpunk. Right. All of these places have developed these stereotypical cyberpunk versions, and they're each different. Like they're these kind of different scenes almost. Um, so,
1: do you think cyberpunk needs to have kind of the grim darkness of the Ten Minutes in the Future I, feel, or can you have a bright,
0: shiny, uh, neon cyberpunk? I think a few people have tried. Um, actually, I was going to bring up, uh, if you don't need quite the grimness, um, Big Hero 6. Sure, totally. Is, uh, it's, what is it, San Tokyo or something? San
1: Fransokyo.
0: Friends, yes, exactly. Uh, with, you know, all this technology that's just a bit ahead, all these things, uh, but it's still very clearly a place that, it's weird, it's very clearly a place you know, even though it's not a place that exists. Right. Yeah. Um, I think you can do it but it gets away from some of what people like about it I think.
1: Does it feel less punky or less cyber do you think?
0: Uh or just
1: some other innate quality.
0: That's an interesting question.
1: It's hard. I think a lot of the games that exist in this genre, games at least uh, if not fiction, are really pushing the grimdark. Exactly. Right? They they it's almost it's got to be dystopia if it's cyberpunk because mm-hmm. For whatever reason, um, Shadowrun is also my kind of cover everything uh, uh, third uh, second runner up. Um, but my my big cheat grab bag is uh, Android Netrunner and the original Android game and Deus Ex. Okay, uh, I don't care which Deus Ex you pick, Deus Ex. Mm-hmm. Um, so Android and Android Netrunner are board games and Deus Ex a video game. Um, but I think that they are some of the best kind of get yourself in this world's games that you can get. Uh, Android Netrunner, you have one person who's playing kind of the punky hacker person and just throwing everything they've got at this corporation who's just a machine, a big wall of bluff. Uh, And you have no idea what you're doing as the hacker as far as, you know, I don't know if that's going to kill me or not, and hopefully it won't, but no big deal. And you're just kind of, you know... Hacking things together, which is great, and as the corporation, you feel totally faceless. Mm-hmm. And there are cards for the corporation to just blow up an apartment block because this is grim dark future. Um, Android, the non-Netrunner game, which came first. Uh, well, I guess Android. I guess Netrunner came first, and then Android the board game, and then Android Netrunner. Anyways, yes. uh, Android the board game is uh, noir uh, investigation where which and this part really bothered people where the actual true result of the case is not defined by the game it's just whoever happens to accumulate enough evidence to plant on stuff mm-hmm. that's the answer but the real game is you're running around this this uh cyberpunk kind of future looking at all of these terrible things that are happening to your own investigator and you know whatever.
0: But you mentioned noir there, which I think is interesting because uh, you also mentioned Blade Runner earlier, which yep, I which feel is also
1: totally noir. It
0: goes more noir, and the uh, there's I'm not sure if you can still call those cyberpunk. You uh, don't think you can mash up those two genres? I think you, of course, you can. Uh, like Blade Runner is an awesome movie. Like I, I can't say that you can't mash them up. <laughs> I just feel like it fall. It starts to fall outside of of strict cyberpunk. Yeah, you draw, I, you draw a really clear boundary. Oh man, I'm not a clear boundary person. <laughs> I uh, know. Like it, uh, I think that it's a subgenre. Like it, it you know, you th- the noir cyberpunk underneath. Cyberpunk. Exactly, and that uh, going back to my place thing, mm-hmm. I think of that, and this isn't actually Blade Runner, but I think of it as New York almost. Like if you want a cyberpunk a city and it becomes noirish, that's like New York or something, right? Um, the where is Blade Runner set? Now that I think of it, oh gosh, don't ask me that. <laughs> uh, I have no idea. I it's, can't
1: remember either. It's set. It's set in a place where Harrison Ford is cool,
0: exactly. Uh, so in uh, a fancy world. Uh, <laughs> actually, no. Harrison Ford apparently is a badass. He in flies Blade all Runner, and... he is a badass. Well, oh, no, actual Harrison Ford. Actual Harrison Ford.
1: Well, I mean, you know, you, you would hope that you don't crash your planes if you're a <laughs> badass.
0: Yes, but uh, apparently that plane that he was crashing is like ridiculously hard to fly and he was doing it for charity or something. It's this entire story behind it. I read this article. Anyway, Harrison Ford is... uh, Harrison Ford is absolutely
1: essential for cyberpunk. Exactly.
0: Uh, I mean, that's my hard line around the genre. (laughs) Harrison Ford. So Star Wars is cyberpunk. I like Uh, it. Indiana Jones is Cyberpunk. cyberpunk. Star Wars no i'm not don't don't saying.
1: don't i am no, just i'm just thinking because thinking about the line right the dividing line i think the big dividing line for star wars cyberpunk is that star wars is very clear uh good side bad side delineation and cyberpunk is definitely not
0: oh come on the corporations are presented as evil basically. but yeah but so are everybody else Yeah, right. Like
1: your your hackers going in and doesn't care what other damage they're doing or who they're taking money from. Like, yeah, they're ostensibly taking it from the corporation, but the corporation is often a bank holding other people's money, and they don't care. Uh, The street samurai is like, well, I'm just going to kill people to get to the place I need to go. Random person with droids is like, well, oops, I ran over somebody. Uh, it happens. Like every everybody's a loser. It's just some people are more losers than others, right? So I think that's that's one big dividing line. And the other big dividing line is that the Empire is way more organized, uh, and the Rebellion is way more organized than even partially good guys in Cyberpunk.
0: I, I actually think that the biggest difference from Star Wars keeping it from not being Cyberpunk, which is something that nobody would ever consider being <laughs> Cyberpunk... Now I want a mashup game, uh, ...is the, uh, like, trust and allegiance. Um, sure. Like, so much of... Cyberpunk is about not knowing who to trust and these kind of shifting alliances and, you know, it's all about money, it's all about corporations, right. uh, it's who's paying who, whereas uh, Star Wars, you know, like, you're you're dedicated to the alliance and you're just willing to die for this cause. Right. Or, and nobody's willing to die for anything in cyberpunk. Exactly. You're like, you're, you're trying not to die. Like, that's how you get out of a situation with more money is not dying. Nice. Right.
1: What's your second runner-up?
0: Um... My second runner-up... Well, okay, so there's two things that I kind of put in my middle slot. One of them Sounds is good. a real stretch, but I had to mention it because hey, Snow Crash. we're all about stretches. So, uh, like I said, Snow Crash, most recent cyberpunk thing I've read. Um, and one of the key things in uh, Snow Crash is this idea that... Um, Ancient Sumerian mind programming, basically, uh, that there are these phrases that are words or something that can be said that make people do things. Hack your brain. Hack your brain. Yeah. uh, Then they they hit. Lower levels of consciousness. Uh, Babble uh, Who cares? Technobabble. Who cares? Uh, the the explanation of these things is by far the most interesting part of the book. <laughs> totally. Um, I I kind of wish the entire book was just a a fake essay. You about don't like stuff. You don't like Ninja Pizza Delivery Guy. I mean, it was okay. Like and uh, like you said it. The beginning of the book, Ninja Pizza Delivery Guy, who is named Hero Protagonist, <laughs> uh, is cool. And then the further on it gets, the further I'm kind of like, okay, let's let's wrap this up. There's too many threads. Too many threads. Uh, only some of them are cool. But anyway, um, because that's, a, that's a, a book that's about... Uh, phrases that have weight and power to them, mm-hmm. I'm going to throw out as a game that you could hack into being that particular cyberpunk, a uh, game called Magicians.
1: Okay. Um,
0: the Korean... Language learning game. Yeah. So this is a game by uh, Kyle Simmons in 2013. Uh, and it it's my special mention because it's actually a game about being... Uh, a student in a magical school um, along the line of either the novel The Magicians or Harry Potter. Right, and um, the g- gist is you get your phone out in
1: uh, dictation mode and if you can properly say the Korean phrase so that it dictates
0: right then you've cast the spell. Awesome. Which I think, uh, like, playing it straight up, is it's a great game but it has nothing to do with cyberpunk, but if you right. remade this into the particular cyberpunk world of Snow Crash with Ancient Sumerian phrases that can program things And I guess you need ancient Sumerian dictation No way, just... I
1: think if you go cyberpunk You either do Japanese or Chinese
0: Probably, like the, you, you, you know, Make up your own fiction that uh, There's some magical Japanese phrases That can program people as well And then you uh, The rest of the game basically stands um, The The thing
1: that I don't know, I don't know So, so what are the, you, You'd have to hack a little bit further um, because, because Magicians is definitely built around, uh, all of the players and almost everybody they interact with are members and, or surroundings of this school, yes. which is much too, as we talked about earlier, uh, allied, uh, for, for full cyberpunk. I think you'd have to, you'd have to pull a couple of things out. It would definitely, it would work.
0: I think that the main thing that works is the spellcasting. The spellcasting would be really I' That's why a special mention, that. because there's so many other things they have to change. Yeah. Uh, the, Though it also raises the question, what parts of Cyberpunk does a game really need to support? Sure, um, So Shadowrun, uh, as a, a game, as a whole game, mm-hmm. both the systems of adding numbers and the setting that's embedded in it supports that really well, but a lot of the actual Cyberpunk support comes from the setting that you have to know, the procedures of play don't remind you of that setting very often. Uh, for the most part. They, they've done a few things. Um, magicians, if you view it in that same way, if you cut out all the rest of Magicians and just dealt with uh, some of the basic resolution and magic stuff, it gives you... All you need to do is provide the uh, the setting around it that provides the rest of Cyberpunk, um, which is kind of... The weakness of Shadowrun as well—that it, sure, it, if you forget about the setting, it doesn't help remind you of cyberpunky things in the mechanics. In, yeah, I, I hate the mechanics versus setting kind of divide because they're actually two interwoven things. I feel but sure. I, I get what you're saying. Uh, well, I, I feel like so as far as mechanics and setting,
1: um, I can separate those because they're both in one gigantic bubble that is theme. Um, because your mechanics need to support slash the the theme surrounds us and binds us uh, <laughs> and it also should permeate the setting I, I and think... if they 're fighting with respect to theme, then something is going to be broken
0: sure i I think the reason that i don 't like that divi- or claiming the divide between rules and setting mm-hmm. is that they uh you can setting ideally intertwines through rules. So yeah, like totally. apocalypse world does this a lot where things that it tells the GM to do are not things that you should do as a GM in some other setting or some other game, but they are building in that setting into procedures, uh, like, which I like more than mechanics because it, it broadens it out to all the things the book says that aren't adding numbers and etc. Um, so grab bag middle tier. Uh, yeah, that that is one half of the middle tier because I have to call it out there for the crazy snow crash connection. Yeah, magicians um, is awesome, and it, it's just a really cool game, uh, and it's presented really well. It's mm-hmm. it's a game that presents the culture that it is coming from in a really cool way without. Uh, Making it too exotic or trying or, or glossing over too much—at least as far as I know—I'm not a person who can really judge this. But compared to uh, some games that I've that I've read, it does a good job of making me feel like I I have enough to go on, but not that uh, we've just boiled down an entire culture to a snippet. Right. Um, the the other half of the middle tier grab bag is various apocalypse world hacks based on Shadowrun or other cyberpunk things. Right. I don't. I'm not okay with that. That that doesn't get to be one. No, no,
1: I'm okay with it being there, uh, but not being so high. Really? Because I've never, I haven't found a Shadowrun e hack of Apocalypse World that I feel makes me want to play it any more than Apocalypse World. Like I would rather play Apocalypse World straight Mm. and just pretend it's like do a do a cyberpunk apocalypse and then play Apocalypse World there.
0: Uh, I'm, Where the
1: corporations are so faceless that they don't even hit anymore.
0: Oh man, now you're. I'm like they're just actually... all run by AI,
1: and the world is a gigantic city. It's just all smog below, and you have no interaction with anybody that runs the corpse. So it's basically small, you know, uh, basically shanty towns down on the streets below. And all of the corporations, like, the the divide between the upper class and the lower class is so vast that you have no idea that they even exist. And so it's just, like, disasters raining down upon you from people who don't care.
0: You don't consult the psychic maelstrom, you consult the corporations.
1: Right. You know, you uh, jack into the internet and stuff happens, right? Yep. And
0: it, at that point, it's practically magic. You don't understand. Oh, that's
1: interesting. And it's it's still apocalypse world because it's still an apocalypse. It's just a very so, different kind of apocalypse. I,
0: I don't have quite the same reaction to the ones that are out there. Okay. Um, I, I so there's two primarily that uh, come to my or that I wanted to talk about. Um, sixth World, which is the very first directly one. taking Shadowrun and. Uh, doing it via Dungeon World slash Apocalypse World. Yeah,
1: if Apocalypse World ran into the Shadowrun book really, really fast, this is yeah. what would come out.
0: Um, and, uh, first of all, a plea to people. We made this mistake. Don't name your Apocalypse World something based world. game something world, <laughs> unless you can really fit it in. Worldwide Wrestling gets a pass on this one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but other than that, like we, I can't believe we made that mistake. And uh, I had a conversation with Vincent about it not too long before we well, maybe a year or so before we kick-started, I was like, like, oh, I'm not sure if I should be stuck with this name, but it's probably too late to change. And he's like, it's never too late to change. Right! And I didn't listen to him, and so now I I, I regret the name to a degree. I'm not <laughs> sure I have a better one, but uh, it started this whole trend of... Names are so hard. Uh, yeah. But anyway, um, Sixth World is... Uh, I think that if you already like Shadowrun... Yeah, totally. It, it hits a lot harder. Um, I read over it, and like it has a lot of good stuff to it, um, but nothing that that made me feel like I now got it. Uh, nothing, like, if if somebody told me they wanted to play Shadowrun, if our question is, what is the best, you Wait. know, I want a cyberpunk game, I'd say, oh, okay, yeah, like, this does it pretty well, but it doesn't have the thing that a lot of the best Apocalypse World-based games do, where it felt like it gave me a new insight into how to do that, genre. Right. Like World Red Wrestling took it's, this thing that I didn't understand and Yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting. It's it's
1: definitely a place that you come to after Shadowrun. Yeah. Right. You you want to play Shadowrun but you want to spend an hour trying to create characters. Yeah. So
0: it, it, it's good. Uh, it just doesn't I mean, I guess maybe, but the reason that it comes in number two instead of Shadowrun is that if somebody said, oh, I want to play Shadowrun, I'd probably say... Let's play Shadowrun. Let's pl- well, no, I, I might say let's play Sixth World, because oh, yeah? I feel like uh, Shadowrun, and this is something that I wanted to mention with Shadowrun... It doesn't have that classic edition that I look back on and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm that so was, of that this was so fun. Or, uh, and part of what it's missing is that it came far enough after early D&D. Like, you look back at early in D&D and you're like, oh, man, so simple. I love how simple this is. There was never really a simple Shadowrun. No. Um, and that... No. Uh, yeah. Should Mouse Guard Shadowrun. I think somebody has, now that I think about it. Huh. Gonna have to go look at that. I mean, somebody has mouse
1: guarded pretty much any genre. I was going to put make my my number one pick uh, a
0: game called Spycraft. Have you heard of Spy yes? Craft? Oh yeah, the
1: the original D twenty one or mm. yeah. well, I've only played the D twenty one. Yeah,
0: no, I played that when it came out in like the heyday of D twenty. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, yeah, I used to play it up by forum and uh, just this really cool uh, take on D twenty uh, that had a really strong scene mechanic mm-hmm. uh, built around kind of movie resolution um and you know spycraft is really cool you should check it out it's pretty rules heavy it's totally d20 um but but i i mean i like it but now i really want to play apocalypse world in a cyberpunk (laughs) apocalypse
0: because that would be way fun well so there's the sprawl which is the other apocalypse world cyberpunk hack uh, by hamish uh oh man what's hamish's last name cameron i think can't believe it. I I, I had <laughs> write it down. I'm man. so used to him as just Hamish. I'm not used to having no last name for him. Um But he so this game um I, is still coming out. I backed it on Kickstarter. I've been reading the uh the in working copy document... Oh, that's cheating. Uh, I, I know. So, first of all, the, I can't recommend it as highly because most things that I recommend, I've You've played, played a bunch, yeah. yeah. And this one, I haven't because uh, I, I've got enough other things I'm playing that I tend to wait for later releases unless I really have owned somebody playtesting. I tend to wait for something more final unless right. it really grabs me. So I haven't... Played it, but I want to mention it because it's reading pretty strong so far. Cool, and Hamish really gets cyberpunk, uh, and I think that may be the thing that's going to be gigantic. Exactly, uh, like, and it's cutting past it it, instead of being a Shadowrun derivative, which there's there's nothing wrong with, but it, uh, like we said before, it kind of starts to drift into its own genre of cyberpunk. This is going more clearly from. a reading list that frankly he's mentioned like in the introduction he mentions things that i've never read so he, he he knows the genre he knows what he's going for nice um it's it's nicely evocative uh some of the writing needs to be fine-tuned a little bit but hey i'm reading a working yeah, copy so that's preview, right yeah that's completely fair cool um so that one that, that's a anticipatory if we revisit okay, hopefully this we while. will say yeah. this is going to be the best exactly um if nothing else i'd encourage people to well, I guess I can't tell you to check it out because it's not fully published yet and the you Kickstarter still, is over. Yeah, so. but you
1: can still follow the Kickstarter, right? Because Hamish You're, will yes. almost certainly
0: update the Kickstarter with stuff. Yes, you get you can I think there's now the ability to follow Kickstarters that are funded so you get the updates so you can see when he uh because final hopefully release. tell people that it's now available. Um, so yeah, that that's my real second place choice is something Apocalypse World ish, but I'm not quite sure which one of those it is. Sure. Uh, and we so your first place. My is... first has got to be a tie between Spycraft
1: and just straight Apocalypse World. Yeah, um, Spycraft. Spycraft. You'd also have to 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 hack, mm-hmm. uh, but not very much. Like a lot of Spycraft is, you know, you are super equipped, powerful, uh, crazy people doing really crazy things. Uh, And the big hack would be, well, where does all this stuff come from if you're not in a major spy corp, right? Uh, And how did you get your hands on it? But that's a cool hack anyways because it's like, well, we stole it or uh, we're getting it as a loan so that
0: we can complete this job type Mm -hmm. of thing. And that's... That would be really straightforward. So the one thing that stuck with me from Spycraft, uh, make sure that you read the requisition rules clearly, because the first time I read them, I missed something about everybody gets like this many points to start with. So the okay. first time we played, everybody was like, "Oh, we're super spies, awesome," and, and you had nothing. <laughs> you had <have> nothing <laughs> uh, because the way oh, it's the, so broken the way the gear works, as you're kind of alluding to, is that uh, you basically have points that you can spend for gear uh, that aren't money; they're your ability to like requisition stuff, and those um, there's uh, the way it's supposed to work, everybody gets some and then your class modifies that Right. I basically missed the main everybody gets this many and just got the class ones right. so which our, sucks
1: for most people our
0: super equipped spies had like I, I got brass knuckles that, <laughs> that's it. Uh, it it was oh, pretty bad but once you, if you actually use the system well once we figure that out um, yeah, yeah, I I cool. it's cool, it's built for action movie type stuff
1: yeah. so that would be the hard part Um, But there's definitely, like, the game is set up so that, you know, hacker player over here starts this big, long challenge, and the game tells you this is when you scene change, and this is how you scene change, and here's how you do a chase scene and intersperse it with the hacker doing stuff, and time is passing for both of them, and they're both in a race, and blah, 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 blah. So, uh, really cool game. Uh, I really liked playing it. Uh, But, yeah. Now, now I'm going to write down that apocalypse,
0: and I'm going to use it next. <laughs> the, time. the really light apocalypse world hack. That just, it's, it's uh, not
1: even a hack. It's just this is the apocalypse this time.
0: Yeah, and I, the psychic
1: maelstrom can... is—it's called that now. Because nobody really knows how the electronics work anymore.
0: I I still think that I'd at least do a light reskin over it just to, like... Just uh, change some of the move names? Change some of the move names, change a little bit of the... Because so much of the World point of view is built into some of the language used there. Sure. I'd change a few things there and change some of the presentation just to give it a little bit of, like, the uh, kind of neon and chrome. That's what uh, they (laughs) refer to it in the sprawl as neon and chrome. Right. Yeah. Okay. So my number one pick. I'm surprised that. Well, I'm not surprised that nobody knew this one, but I am really glad to have such a strong number one pick. uh, Is a game called Remember Tomorrow by uh, Gregor Hutton. Came out in 2010. Okay. Super thin game. Um, It's uh, very. It's not uh, like a one pitcher. No, no, but it's. um, It's on the shelf right there. We can check. It's a very short game. Uh, They're all alphabetical. Oh, oh, jeez, man, you're hardcore. So it's right before Sagas of the Icelanders. Well, you keep going and... um. Um, So the cool things about this... uh, First of all, it's very kind of literary in that it's uh, it's not the Shadowrun magic, stuff like that. Um, It does have the... Let's see, it's 48 pages. Thank you, Adam. <laughs> um, it is by the author of 316, which uh, cracks right. me because it says that on the cover. Gregor Hutton, author of 316. And considering that he designs his own books, he decided to put <laughs> his own credits. 316
1: is a cool 316 game.
0: 316 was a huge hit, and uh, I may consider my next game, Sage Latora, co-author of Dungeon World. Uh, because it's as long as it's not a Dungeon World uh, thing. Well, of course, yeah. But my Just in case. Inglorious by <laughs> Sage, Latora, and Adam Cobalt, authors of Dungeon World, just just in case you didn't know. <laughs> it's uh, up? I did actually have somebody at work uh, message me and be like, I just walked past my shelf where there's a copy of Dungeon World and it says Latora on it. Is that you? <laughs> it's like, yeah, yes. maybe. <laughs> did you like it? <laughs> <I> like it? <laughs> um, okay, so the, the cool things about it, first of all, uh, is, it's presented in a really cool cyberpunk way. Um, the entire conceit is that uh, you're going to be... It's GM-less. You're going to be playing um, characters who have a goal that they want to get done. Uh, you're also going to be playing... Um, supporting characters, and you can actually kind of swap between them to a point. And supporting characters can include corporations, but a corporation can never become your main character. Sure. Um, And all these are basically represented the same way. Uh, So you can have just a whole bunch of sheets on the table that you can pass around. It's really cool that way uh, because as the game moves on, everybody can see, like, uh, most of the players players as in people who are involved in the fictional world, not people at the table um, are all out there on the table and you can move around the sheets and see where they're going and all that stuff. Um, you have goals to accomplish uh, and there's like a, a scene economy. Basically you, you take turns setting scenes. Uh, it's jamless. So each person uh, basically gets to be kind of opposition set a scene and uh, state kind of a goal for the scene. And then you play out the scene and it always comes down to one role. Um, that is the one part of, that I, personally don't like but works pretty well uh like this this isn't the type of game that i tend to like where there's a very definite like we're going to each do a scene and we're going to resolve each scene with a role right. and uh that super super outlined and... super outlined um that that's not how i tend to like to play but it works here like I, it my personal preference does not mean that it doesn't work um and the thing that Works really well. There is that all the characters then uh, are kind of working towards their goals and interface in different ways, and everybody is involved at various points. Um, your your characters' three main stats are ready, willing, and able. Uh, Which is really cool because in each challenge you roll all three and can get successes on them. Right. And at least the way that we played, if you weren't getting, uh, you you basically you have a score in each of those. You roll three dice. You assign a dice to each, and if that die is higher than, or uh, if that die die is lower than the stat, because high stats are good, right? um, Then you succeeded, and otherwise you failed. uh, With that element of it, and the side with the most successes. Wins sure. um, And the number of successes you have are important. They give you the ability to get effects out of it, um, et cetera, et cetera. But the cool thing that uh, re-reading the book, it doesn't actually really spell this out, but it's the way we, we always played, whichever ones you fail at, that indicates that your character wasn't that thing. Sure. Uh, which is really cool because it's one of the few games where you as the player can totally say... I'm gonna do this, and your character can just kind be of. Like, How about no? Yeah, they're like, no, I, I really can't kill a guy. I'm sorry, like I, you know, I've never killed a guy before. You, I'm just not willing to do that, uh, even though they're they're able and they're prepared. Right. They've got right. a a vibra knife or whatever, some mm-hmm. monofilament blade, uh, and it's at their throat, and they just can't do it, uh, which is really cool. Um, Are the players, uh, as in people, all on the same team? No each person's really pursuing their own goals nice. um, it's it's kind of that's much what, more cyberpunky yeah it it's more intertwined stories than it is uh you know a team of people doing something which helps with the rotating GM element of it or mm-hmm. well gmless whatever you want to call it um, because that it way will, so so the difference uh in as far as making
1: sure that it's easier to explain gmless is there is never a point where Well, for the next five minutes, we're only going to think this person's in charge of everything else. Whereas uh, rotating GM is, well, for this time period, this person's in charge of everything. And for this time period, this person's in charge of everything. And for this. So, like Polaris, right? Polaris is rotating GM. Uh, It's an odd kind of rotating GM, but it's definitely rotating GM. Um, Microscope is Mm GMless because there's there's little pieces of well I'm in charge of this focus or whatever
0: but anyways nice so it yeah, doesn't matter in this that's, case that's good terminology I, um, I think that that's cool that that's really cool the the ready willing and able runs through your goal as well so you nice. set a character goal and through playing out scenes you can check off the boxes that you are ready willing and able to achieve your goal mm-hmm. and those can become unchecked as well so you know you you <laughs> add all this stuff to Blow up the data center or whatever, but then it got stolen or uh, whatever. So you're no longer ready. You're, you're willing now. Yeah, exactly. So you, once you get them all checked off, you can leave play, and uh, a, a game actually ends based on how many characters have left play. Okay. Um, so then you is- leave play triumphantly. Uh, you, well, not Hopefully. always. Oh, you roll, uh, you, it's, well, it's no, another... Uh, so goals, once you've achieved your goal, mm-hmm. then, then you've definitely left triumphantly. But, um, characters in particular, not often main characters, but more likely supporting characters, can leave non-triumphantly. They call it writing out, because um, it's not necessarily that you're dead so much as you no longer matter. Right. Um... So the, it's a really nice little system. It plays really quick. It's nice and easy to read. Uh, I actually reread the entire thing for the podcast because I was like, "Why not? Why not? Yeah, uh, totally." All. 48 pages. Um, it also has a lot of useful tools. You didn't read the index at the back. I, I did not read the index at the back, so I only read 47 <laughs> pages. Um, the, it also comes with a, a surprisingly good and surprisingly small set of random tables nice. to help you roll up uh, your like random gear names and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's random company names that you can put in front of your vehicles and uh there's complications and stuff that you can bring in um names uh it, it, it's surprisingly compact but surprisingly good mm-hmm. and they use them through other examples which helps that cool thing where where a game through random tables that were obviously used when writing the game builds up the theme the the repeated the motifs of the game right um i gotta say i love name lists I'm mm-hmm. I'm one of those people. Oh, yeah, me too. I can't name more than him. That's why I had Adam Gobal write all the names for well, me. Well, it's
1: not just that. It's also mm-hmm. the idea that all the names in a particular game are going to match up. Because it's not like one person can name really well, and the other person can name terribly. Mm-hmm. It's more often, this person really likes naming like this, yep. and this other person likes naming like this other way. But if everybody's running off of the same tables... It helps. Yep. Consistency is nice.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's a nice little list. Uh, it sounds and, cool. Yeah, the your characters can gain conditions, both positive and negative, which are all written out, which is really cool. Uh, so, like, your characters can become enthused—that's a positive—or <laughs> um, they can be uh, burned out, humiliated, all these things. Um, so, it, it's a great little game, I think, from the kind of more literary side of. Cyberpunk, uh, from like books that get identified as cyberpunk. This is the best way to do something along those lines. That is currently in print. Uh, I mean, I can't think of a whole lot that's out of print either. Well, I mean, Sprawl. Well, okay, I <laughs> Sprawl. I, I'm. I guess I hope that could beat this, um, but it's a very different approach. Sprawl, because it's a pocket world, is more like moment to moment, and it does. Uh, I'm not actually Sprawl's team. It does do a mission based team kind of thing, which isn't. That isn't the literary side of it to me, uh, sure. Um, but in the same way that D and D is a team thing, and that's not the fantasy literature that's based on. But
1: anyway, and it's not like it's not like Apocalypse World says no no PvP, right? Yeah, uh, and that's that's one of the things that's that's funny about Shadowrun is that you would never attack your team unless you're just being a jerk, yep, out of game. So.
0: The one thing that I will knock Remember Tomorrow for is uh, the setting is called Somewhere, um, and it, it's right. definitely kind of left to you. They, You know, it's, uh, it's uh, let's see, maybe it's Glasgow, Dusseldorf, Milan, Reno, Auckland, or Hong Kong. Um, it, it's kind of the global megalopolis, but without much detail, and that works against the, uh, the feeling of location that I mentioned earlier, right Like this isn't the kind of West Coast sprawl cyberpunk. it's not the Seattle uh, like tech city, it's not the Tokyo megalopolis kind of thing. Um, it's not the East Coast Noirish, uh, which are all things that just came out of my head. I'm not sure if anybody else would group them that way.
1: <laughs> but it, 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 but they all give you they all give you a sense of, okay, I know this setting. Yeah. And somewhere, you don't really know that setting.
0: Exactly. And uh, the thing is, and the the book actually says this, it was based off of airports. Um, Gregor dreamed up the game in an airport, because airports are kind of cyber city. anyway. Like, they're kind of a big city. They're kind of controlled. Like, it, it makes sense. They're... Yeah, there's an element of it to that, which I like, but... Uh, I would have preferred... I mean, uh, Gregor is from Glasgow. I would have loved a cyberpunk Glasgow. Oh, that would have been great. That would have been great. The,
1: the, the big thing about it, like, playing Shadowrun, I grew up in this area, in Seattle area, and playing Shadowrun, they talk about things like, oh yeah, down in Renton, and I'm like, I know where that is! But if Gregor said it in Glasgow, suddenly, yep. well, okay, let me look up the map, and I don't have all of these association with that place yet. So there's pros and cons, right? I feel like... I feel like the pros outweigh the cons, though, because I, I, having a setting like people can learn the setting.
0: I think it's less about particular landmarks so much as a different feel and approach. Sure. Uh, like the the groupings that I just came up with are all based on stereotypes that I already have of those areas in the present. Right. And you just exaggerate those. Right. Um, and I'm trying to think of what a cyberpunk classical would actually look like. If you, if you take you know the kinds of things that you as a native or as somebody visiting think of an area for right. and, and exaggerate push them. them exactly and that's part of why uh magic in shadow run uh because there's this element of kind of uh pacific northwest natives yeah uh that plays in the shadow run that the makes tribes it, are a big deal it makes it a big deal and it helps uh that's part of why seattle is such a great place for it right um and then in a lot of... I think the Sprawl will probably touch on this. Uh, and a lot of Cyberpunk deals with kind of California, like, highway, surfing, uh, you know, private highway stuff, which just fits so well for that area because it's the big, wide-open... Right. Uh, yeah, it's... There's just so many opportunities there um, that I kind of miss with it being somewhere. Even though the the airport angle is great, I I want to set it somewhere. It's, a sad, it's sad that it can't
1: just be in... The airport, like capital T, capital A, <laughs> and there's and just, there's an just now. one now. Yeah, uh, you don't know where it goes because the entire planet's covered by it. So yeah. why you would need to fly? I guess you fly to another
0: part of the airport it's the airport it's a band <laughs> stretching around uh yeah the, there's an opportunity there but mm-hmm. uh on the other hand if he would have tried to bake that stuff in it would have been more pages yes, and a lot more work currently it, it is so nice and sweet and it's presented briefly uh with lots of little cyberpunk flourishes throughout um just a great game
1: i am cool with declaring that winner.
0: Uh, I think it beats out your, well, I guess I have to choose something kind of first place.
1: (laughs) Pretty much. It's just, it's hard to game in that space. Really? Um, Well, so the problem is you really do want some kind of rotating GM or jamless deal. And Cyberpunk was much more kind of in the public conscious in the 80s and early 90s where it was like, how do you even do an RPG jamless? Much harder to Kind of get into that space, and then now the newer games—they're either they exist because of the older games, like Shadowrun, or they're not thinking cyberpunk as much anymore. Mm-hmm. So you know, finding finding these kind of smaller games and the sprawl—I totally forgot about the sprawl um, the, know, it makes it difficult. To find it actually
0: it. suggests to me uh, when I think of cyberpunk, I mostly think of stuff that was written pre nineties for the most part, probably. Maybe I mean definitely pre two thousand. Like there must still be cyberpunk stuff being written. I wonder well, what it is. What it is is so,
1: you know, not to go too deep into into randomness. But I mean, eighties is is end of Cold War. Everything's just collapsing around us. But we don't think we might we might not get nuked, mm-hmm. uh, and and so it's just super dark, right? Um, and all sorts of stuff out of that. And then as we came out of
0: Cold War. Like, the future is not so dark. Actually, uh, that reminds me that I wanted to bring up one recent really good cyberpunk thing. Um, There was a TV show called Almost Human that was actually quite good. It only got one season, of course, because it was Fox and it was good. Um, (laughs) Did they put it in order? or? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it's uh, about a a cop in... Oh, man, I think they named what city it was in, but it, it was... A little more futuristic, a little more, um, a little more sci-fi than cyberpunk. Not quite as gritty, but there still was like you know he he goes into a the edge of town noodle shop and gets uh, memories beamed into him or pulled out. I forget exactly what he was doing, but like there there's all these great cyberpunk elements to it. But a a cop played by uh, the guy who played Bones on the recent Star Trek movies. Uh not DeForest Kelly, though that I think he's dead. I was gonna say that'd be really awesome to have the original uh bones. Um and his robot sidekick, uh, <laughs> where he gets assigned uh like the they have all these robots that are paired with humans, and most of them are the most recent model, which is this kind of uh by the book uh Programmed human, um, whereas he gets the older model that has an emotion, uh, an emotion engine kind of thing in the weird sci-fi trying to explain why humans are human thing. Um, right, and because of that. Has all these weird, like his model was mostly retired because a lot of them went crazy-ish. And there's all these corporations messing with the police and they're doing cases and stuff. And I think that's one place where uh, the more typical, like you're a team of people working together Mm. could actually work in cyberpunk. Um, Sure. Especially since in cyberpunk, a lot of times the police and government organizations become just another corporation, kind of. Um, you're, You're no longer from that special point of authority. Um, but yeah, that, that's the most recent cyberpunk that I can think of that really stood out. Do you think Black Mirror is cyberpunk? Oh, that's interesting. I guess we should say what Black Mirror is. So Black Mirror is... Uh, um, well, first, it's amazing. It's amazing. Okay, yeah. continue. Uh, well, uh, So Black Mirror is this series of, from a British network. I don't actually yeah, it's, know. It's, it's, it's Sky or something? Anyway. Um, on Netflix now for yeah. since I think most of the <laughs> audience is American. Black Mirror is on Netflix. That, that's the important thing. Um <laughs> So it's it's pretty good. I think that it got a little oversold for me. Yeah, so it's not it's not
1: a continuous story. Correct. And it's not truly uh, episodic in the we're going to talk about the same characters from episode to episode. It's, here's a really interesting idea. Let's take it to the conclusion in this episode. And then in the next episode, we're going to drop everything and take a totally different idea.
0: It's the Twilight Zone, but yeah. uh, with more of a science... I mean, some of Twilight Zone is a more science-ish. But it's
1: the Twilight Zone applied to practically real situations. Yeah. This stuff could happen, yeah. is the idea. Some of, the, some of to them are a degrees, further, yeah. yeah. But, but a lot of the really creepy ones are, yeah, this could totally...
0: The first episode that really sold me, uh, and I think maybe their best episode, um, is could happen now. I can't remember an element of it that couldn't really. A lot of the Um, really
1: good ones are there.
0: Yeah, the really good ones are the ones that feel like they could happen basically now. Which
1: one was the one you were thinking?
0: Uh, The Prime Minister. um, Yeah. And the kidnapping? And the kidnapping, yeah. Yeah. I can't remember an element of that one that couldn't happen now. That
1: is totally legit now, yes.
0: Um, So yeah, it's
1: the, I think... Is it too now to be cyberpunk?
0: I don't think so, especially not the, some of the later ones get into a bit more of like humanoid robotics and uh, like body implants and stuff, though some of them also veer a little 1984, like they they go so... So it's British. Well, good point. Everything's 1984. Um, No, but they they go so, part of cyberpunk, I feel, is uh, the breakdown of non-monetary sources of authority. Sure. Though I guess we could argue, argue whether governments are monetary sources of authority.
1: But it, like the, the. push for
0: the corporation. The angle. Corporation, not so much an allegiance. Um, whereas the uh, one episode in particular of Black Mirror, um, I guess it's still corporate, but it, it's so all encompassing. Uh, part of cyberpunk, I think, is that you have to be. Um, there has to be fringes. Sure. And that episode. This uh, is the, uh, the the bicycle. Yeah, the uh, the American American Idol, type Idol of thing. Yeah, um, that one doesn't really have the fringes as much. There's tiny ones, very tiny fringes. Sure, but, but they're still having. in society. They're still in society. They're but just considered lower. They're they are, and they're. I, I feel like the for cyberpunk. Like, it's hard to fit punk into that, I guess. Yeah, you have
1: to thing. be totally out of society for it to really be...
0: Like, punk has always been a, a kind of anti-authoritarian on the fringes, and that episode didn't leave enough of a fringe for much of that.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: Um, but all to, uh, all in all, I would say that it... I think it's definitely good, whether or not it's, it's very good. good. And that would suggest, uh, the, the kind of RPG version of that would probably be, um, like, shock. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is a, a game that's very much about you You figure out one thing that has changed society, and then you basically tell the sci-fi kind of imaginative story about that, the the ones that are very interested in all the repercussions of some new technology, which is basically what Black Mirror... And that's Joshua Newman? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. Good See games. Yeah. Shock could actually be a cyberpunk if you wanted the the, like, one minute in the future not the five or ten or whatever. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Uh, but I would say Remember Tomorrow. Clear recommendation for me. Uh, right. I and remember. I believe you can still get it. Um, if not, I'll hound Gregor until you can.
1: <laughs> Sounds like a plan. All right. So we're going to also try and make sure that we have kind of a buffer of episodes because insanity occurred uh, a couple of weeks ago and made it very difficult to do this kind of thing. So hopefully we will not have that problem in the future. Yeah, hopefully we'll have a buffer. And until next time, uh, when we answer another question.